Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,668. Today I'm talking to the king of automotive PR and media. Hold on, here we go. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and very excited to have a, a guy on the show I've been wanting to have on the show for a long time. He's kind of the king of PR and information when it comes to the automotive sector by the name of Dan Kahn, calling in from Moore Park, California. Dan, welcome to Cars Yeah, my friend. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready, Mark, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you. All right. We'll have some fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, would you share one little thing? that maybe most people don't know about you, Dan. I think most people know me as a car guy. What a lot of people don't know is I also love to cook, and uh, I spend most of my free time, if I'm not doing work stuff or with my family, it's usually cooking and perfecting technique. You know, cooking is one of those cool things. Uh, the day we're recording your show, my guest is uh, Kelly Graval, known as Risk, and we were talking about him in our pre-show chat. And that's what he said, too. He came originally from the South before he came out West and became a graffiti kid and now a famous graffiti artist, of which you know about. And he said he loves to do Cajun cooking. Is there a kind of cooking that you prefer? Or do you kind of like doing anything? I like cooking for the same reason I like working on car projects because there's a Zen aspect to it where I think so much of our life these days, you don't get to see the results of your work. And, and that applies to a lot of careers, right? You just work away on a computer all day or you're in Zoom calls or whatever. And at the end of the day, you don't really have anything tangible to show for it. So for me, I, 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 liked, I worked on technique first, a lot of French technique, and then everything. I like to barbecue. I like to do pastries. I like to, I mean, I'm kind of all over the place because for me, it's about sort of the, the focusing on sort of the, you know, living in the moment and focusing on just the thing that you're working on at that time. And then you have a, a result where you can actually feed your family or your friends and make people happy. And there's like a tangible result to it. Uh, similar to like, you know, if you're fixing a blown header gasket on your race car. You can do that when you're done. It's done. And you can feel good about yourself and say, hey, I did that thing versus right. I pushed a bunch of paperwork around on my desk and I guess that's good. So so it's, <laughs> to me, it's, it's more about the actual sort of getting lost in the moment of the activity and than it is about sort of what I'm cooking. Well, and nowadays there are so many great sites. You know, I use my iPad or my phone and I set it up in my kitchen and there's all these sites that have wonderful recipes, things you might not ever try. Uh, I do that quite often, which is fun for me. And it's kind of fun to walk through the process and stop and go, okay, how come mine doesn't look like that? What did I do wrong? And go back and see how you modify things. Do you have a favorite website that you go to? Yeah. And it's funny. I go through these weird phases where for a while I got completely obsessed with smoking and I had two different smokers and I, was, I went through this whole thing about the chemical reactions that happened in smoking. And then I got kind of bored with that and moved on to the next thing. And, and right now during COVID, I bought a subscription to that masterclass program. Oh yeah. And I am just floored by this thing because you can sit there with like, you know, um, you know, like the chef from the French Laundry, and you can sit there and he'll spend an hour talking about how to sharpen your knives. 
And my wife is like going out of her mind going like, this is the most boring, boring, like why are you watching this guy talk about knives for an hour? But to me, it's the same thing as like tools when you're working on your car. It's, if you have the right tools, you'll be better at the job than if you just have a, a, you know, a crescent wrench and a screwdriver. So I like sort of getting into the minutia of that stuff. and, And that has been sort of fun lately. Yeah, definitely. I can see the correlation between cars, working on cars. The same with detailing and cleaning cars. I love to do that. Yeah, and you can stand back and go, wow, that that looks so much better than it did. You feel like you actually accomplished something. Very cool. Well, let me give you a proper introduction here, Dan. We're going to dive into your life. Dan Kahn is the founder and president of Kahn Media, which opened its doors in 2008 and has grown to encompass a range of services from PR to digital marketing and creative services, mostly focused on the automotive and transportation Industries. Today, Con Media represents top brands including Lotus, Lotus Cars of North America, I should say, Rolex, the Peterson Automotive Museum, that little place, and many others. In addition to his work at Con Media, Dan is also the sitting SEMA Person of the Year and serves as a SEMA board member. He volunteers on the SEMA Youth Engagement Task Force and is the chairman of both the SEMA Communications Task Force and SEMA Show Committee. And when he's not serving his clients, you can find Dan driving his Cobra or off-roading in the desert and enjoying time with his wife and three kids and no doubt cooking something for them and all of his friends. We'll be back in just a minute to talk more with Dan, but first a word from these valued sponsors that make this show possible. Give them a little love, give them a listen, better yet, give them a little business because they're the reason I can be here with you every day during the week. Sit tight, we'll be right back. Did you know Covercraft offers you much, much more than car covers, floor mats, seat covers, and trunk liners? When you visit Covercraft.com, you'll find Cologne Custom Bras, LaBra Front End Covers, and hood protectors that protect your vehicle's front end while on a road trip. No more rock chips or hours removing nasty bug jerky from your grill and your paint. You'll find vehicle seatback organizers that keep everything in check, perfect for those kids in the back seat. Spidey gear webs that keeps cargo that's in your truck bed safely in place. Seat heaters, cargo bars, pro nets, rooftop carriers, bumper frames, bump steps, pet ramps, pet travel barriers to keep Fido in the back seat, tire covers, Carhartt backpacks, cooler bags, tote bags, tool bags, and zippered tote bags to keep everything secure. And don't forget their dash mat dashboard covers that shield the sun's damaging UV rays. Covercraft offers you an incredible list of solutions for your favorite rides. They're easy to install, easy to remove pet protection pads, are easy to wash too, and protect your floors and seats from Fido's damaging claws and messy fur and air. And here's something special from me here at Cars Yeah. If you use the code YAH120 at checkout at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off on me. Covercraft.com. Go there and use the code YEAH120 at checkout for that 10% discount. Covercraft, they've got you covered. What do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, And a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're Kevin Buckler, a racer and the racing group's team owner, you create Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, and a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Redline. It's a rich and complex blend delivering a taste of ripe blackberries, 
black cherry licorice, and a hint of toasty oak. An added very cool option is that this features the world's first interactive wine label. That's right. When you pour the wine, the three-dimensional tachometer actually hits the red line. It's incredible. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, when you go to checkout, you'll get $10 off any purchase of wines from the Racing Series. The wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off of your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYEAH to save $10 today. Cheers! All right, Dan, we're back. And as we dive into your life, I want you to start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been important in your life. I like to say it's a great way to get the tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So, Dan, I know you love to drive. Grab the wheel. You know, it's funny. I wish I had something a little more high minded. But the the thing that I, I, I sort of circle back to in my whole senior leadership team, we all sort of use as a mantra we stole from, I think, Full Metal Jacket, uh, the movie. It's OTSS, Only the Strong Survive. And, you know, the one sort of consistent thread over the last 13 years that we've been in business is we just outwork everybody else. And and I know that, like, you know, I wish I had some sort of Tony Robbins-esque kind of inspirational quote. But for us, it's just always been the same thing. It's just you got to work harder than the next guy. Get up earlier, stay later, put in more time, put in more energy, put in more effort, and... and you know, that will ensure success. You know, I'll tell you something, and I've noticed that I've worked with many people on your team and they're incredible. Last night, Sunday evening, when most people are in front of a TV set or with family, uh, Noah, one of your colleagues who put us together, sent me an email and I'm always in front of my computer or in front of my phone and I answered. And uh, this morning, I think it was uh, before 6 a.m. and I'm usually up at 5.30, he sent me another email and I'm like, this guy never sleeps. You're right. My dad, who came from Texas, he was a farming kid, came out west to become an architect, but he always told me, he said, you know, Mark, if, you, if you're if you not the smartest guy in the room, not sure if what he was telling me with that message, but he said, you can always outwork everyone. And so I always took that to light. I always pretended wherever I worked that I was the owner. I was the first guy in the building. I was the last guy to turn the lights out. Uh, came in on the weekends, just work, 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 work. And that's what got me ahead in every aspect, not only with my clients, but with my bosses and with my coworkers too. They notice that stuff. Like, man, do you ever go home? So it's a great way to lead. Well, I want to talk about con media and let's, let's get the 800 pound gorilla out of the way first, this COVID thing that we've all had to deal with today. I've noticed that you've done some very different and unique things this year to pivot and adjust for this. And I wanted you to talk about that a little bit. First and foremost, you and your family and your colleagues, are they healthy? Everyone okay? Everyone's healthy. Thank you for asking. Yeah, Great. Sure. Awesome. Great. So, you. so how have you, how have you dealt with this monstrosity that we've been having to deal with? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I like to joke that, you know, I was a journalism major. I started my career in automotive media. I never planned on running my own business. So I don't have that sort of MBA background that a lot of people have. So for me, I feel like I've always had to just keep like my, my other kind of mantra is just don't ever make the same mistake twice because I make mistakes constantly. You know, just, just don't repeat it and you'll be okay. Yep. And 
when this thing happened, you know, we survived, you know, we actually launched the company in 08 in the middle of the Great Recession. Yeah. And everyone kind of, including like my parents and everybody was like, what is wrong with you? You're leaving a good, solid paying job to start a company in the middle of the Great Recession. And that's a terrible idea. Well, it actually, at the time, worked our benefit because we were lean and nimble and small and we were able to come out, maneuver everybody else. And, and that was actually a great launch pad for the business. So and this thing, and it's kind of funny because we had a meeting with the Lotus comms team who flew over from Hethel in, in England to have kind of a, a roadmap meeting for the 2020 calendar year with us in Santa Monica in February. And it was right when kind of COVID was still called like the coronavirus and it was mostly confined to almost mostly in China and they flew over here and we were kind of talking about it in these sort of terms of, oh, well, there's this thing happening in China. Luckily, it's not affecting us. And that was like two weeks before it kind of went global and things sort of went crazy. And so even as late as late February, I still had kind of blinders on. And then for me, the tipping point was that day, I think it was the 12th or 13th of March, when Gavin Newsom, our governor here in California, basically had that press conference and said, OK, I'm issuing a statewide order that everybody's got to work from home and we're going to shelter in place. And, you know, all the non-essential businesses need to pivot to remote. And and and, a, and sort of a light bulb went off, and I realized this is a, a sort of make or break moment, where you know I employed at the time 24 people, and you know we're working with a couple dozen different brands. And at that point, up until this year, we have had just astronomical growth. You know, we've been on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies in America list three years in a row. We've had just huge growth, which is good and bad. I mean, it's it's good from a business perspective, but it's as you know, ch- you know, growth is expensive and growth is hard. So it's been the sort of constant challenge. And a lot of that growth came from event promotion, where we come in and help a lot of the bigger concours and automotive events all over the country are our clients. And I went, oh my God, because they were saying at the time, if you remember, like three weeks to flatten the curve. And I'm going, this is not going to be three weeks. Yeah, right. This is going to be way more than three weeks. We need to sort of, A, uh, you know, my my number one goal, the second that press, I mean, literally I was in the car in our parking lot when he gave the press conference and I went right back in the office and called my executive team and said, okay, number one goal, preserve jobs. How do we keep our employees paid and, and on the payroll? Number two goals, we got to save off clients. We have to do whatever it takes to make sure our clients get through this. And then number three, uh, a close number three is how can we help people who don't have a company like us survive this? How do you know, most of our clients are small and medium sized businesses. We have a couple that are big, you know, like the Rolexes and, you know, we've got a couple of chemical companies that are big, like billion dollar companies, but the vast majority of our clients are 20 to 200 person businesses. And, and they're the ones that are going to get hurt by this. So we really, it was probably the fastest we've ever pivoted towards anything. And what we consider ourselves a pretty nimble company where within 24 hours, we had everybody working remote. We already were using things like Slack and Zoom and all that, but we got everybody who didn't have a laptop, a laptop. We had SOPs issued and we had conferenced in with every client and we really leaned into this thing and said, okay, you know, as the the leader of the team, I usually am more on the strategy side. I don't usually get down into the weeds. I was working like 16 hour days. We were on the phone with every client every day. And the first thing we did that was really effective is, you know, we have had for a couple of years now a digital marketing team. So we, we do PR. And that's sort of an evolving landscape, and, and we can talk about that. And we have our creative team. We also have what we call our DM team, or digital marketing. And that's the sort of non-organic digital. So everything from search engine marketing, 
to you know paid social, all the kind of influencer stuff. We have our own network of Instagram pages that are all automotive enthusiast based um, for sort of sharing client content that reaches about a million and a half people. And we said, okay, we can use all these tools that we built for other purposes to drive sales and direct to consumer business for our clients. So how do we do that? And so the first thing we started doing was, was working on that. So some of our clients were already selling direct to consumer. Some sold through kind of multi-step distribution where they have parts in, you know, retail stores or whatever, Amazon, Summit Racing. But the ones that could sell direct to consumer, we realized, okay, if everyone's locked in their house and I'm a car guy, you're a car guy, I am not going to suddenly become really interested in backgammon. If I'm locked <laughs> in my house, after a certain amount of time, I'm just going to start buying car parts and I'm going to go out yeah. in the garage because that's what I do. I'm not really a football guy. I, you know, I'm not really a video game guy. I'm a car guy. And right. so we recognized if we can sort of help these companies execute that direct-to-consumer sales push, it'll help them survive because you know it's, it's something that they can control and the margins are pretty good and it'll allow them to survive this however long, if it's six months or two years or whatever it is. And in doing so, that worked really well. We had clients that didn't sell direct to consumer. So then we helped them figure that out. And as we sort of figured all this stuff out very, very quickly, within a couple of weeks, we realized, oh, well, there's all this information we have that not a lot of other people have. And then we started doing a, a weekly newsletter, and we did that every week for six months. Now we've dialed it back a little bit to every other week just because it got kind of intense. But how-to articles, uh, video panels, interviews on, on you know Zoom, basically, we put up on YouTube. Everything was basically B2B content so that theoretically you could take all the stuff that we published between the videos and the articles and what we call KM 101s, which are sort of like, here's the basics of, for example, like how SEO works, or here's the basics of how, you know, uh, you know, you know, how we work with an influencer, how to work with podcasts was one we did, um, you know, and if you could theoretically put all this together and you would essentially have a free handbook for a small business owner on how to sort of market and sell your services without ever having to hire an agency. So in a weird way, we were kind of working against our own best interest, but with sort of the idea that let's just put all this stuff out there and help people and, and hopefully sort of the, the universe will sort of reward us down the road. You know, one of the things you said at the beginning that was the big golden nugget in my mind here is it's one thing to identify a problem. It's quite another to do something about it. And too many times when problems appear, if you go back to 08, I was working in a company where we were selling goods to people and 08 came and we're like, oh gosh, people aren't going to be spending any money. How are we going to work through that versus freezing and going, well, let's hope it's okay. I always say there's no hope in business. It doesn't exist. <laughs> you can hope all day long, but if you're not doing anything, there is no hope in business. So I love that you took action immediately. That obviously served you well. The other key golden nugget you dropped there is let's just decide to help people. Even people that maybe aren't our clients or can't be for a while. I know for me, how this affected me was uh, some of my sponsors just said, I don't know if we can keep doing this right now. And I said, then I'll keep promoting you. And if you can catch up later and pay me later, I would be appreciative. But otherwise, what am I going to do? Because shopping for people to spend money this year on sponsorships is a, has been a challenge sure. Uh, for sure. Everybody's afraid they're trying to conserve that cash. 
So I think it's absolutely fantastic what you've done. And um, I'll tell my listeners, you know, I have a great relationship with uh, Con Media and all the wonderful team members that you have there. Uh, they bring me a lot of great guests that I promote here. They're always so professional to deal with, so kind, so helpful, spot on. It's absolutely tremendous. So uh, uh, in a way, we make a good team, Dan. <laughs> and, Thank you. And Likewise. I'm, and I'm appreciative of that. You know, I always ask my guests about a challenge. Now, we just talked about a massive challenge here and how you've dealt with it. But maybe there's something else you might want to share with this question. I ask all my guests, and it's really more about the learning lesson and what came out of it that was positive for you or for your team. It might be a personal thing, might be a business thing. But maybe walk me through one uh, that's very specific. Yeah. Um, well, you know, as you know, our roots are as a PR agency. That was sort of our, you know, the, the genesis of the company came about when I, I was working as sort of an account director of another agency and had this idea that, hey, you know, this is again 13 years ago when social was still fairly new. We should be doing PR, but, you know, we should also really be involved in digital and in social and we can be a client's voice across all these platforms. And I took that idea and sort of built the business around it. And what I sort of predicted at the time, I'm going to be honest, I didn't think it would happen this quickly, was I had you know, worked for the old Peterson Publishing when Mr. Peterson still owned it. And I remember when he decided to sell it, and I understood his reasons for doing that, but he sold it to a basically a private equity group who sort of built up the profit margins and flipped it, and then it flipped again. And it, as, as I think a lot of your listeners probably know, has flipped so many times now that that business essentially doesn't exist anymore. I think, you know, Murder Trend and Hot Rod and on off-road are about the only titles left that killed 19 of them this past January. But I've known for a while that the automotive media landscape was changing, and we sort of predicted that, which is why we leaned so heavily into digital, and we've tried a bunch of stuff over the years, including we started our own social platforms. We've started our own uh, enthusiast-facing content channels, and we've helped clients do the same. And all of that, some of those worked, some didn't. But the thing that has always sort of kept me up at night is, well, the automotive media landscape is going to continue to change, and the number of actual publications is continuing to shrink. And as a PR agency, obviously, if what you're selling is a service to help companies, whether it's a suspension company or a car company or a motorcycle company or a company that makes something really specific, like a fuel pump company, um, you're trying to connect that brand and their products with a consumer who will hopefully buy it. And for 50 years, the way you did that was through this sort of traditional media landscape, whether it was radio and TV and magazines or in your case, podcasting and digital sites. It's, you know, the medium doesn't matter as much as sort of the fact that that's that connective tissue between, you know, the, the content and the consumer and, and the brand wants to get involved with that. And the thing that has happened much more quickly than I think anyone anticipated was the demise of the sort of traditional publishing model. And as an old school car magazine guy, that bums me out a little bit because obviously that's what I grew up. I literally learned to read, reading Hot Rod Magazine. <laughs> and so for me, that was why I got into this business in the first place. Um, what has been interesting is watching how sort of different business people and different entrepreneurs have sort of tackled ways to sort of take the next step. So you've got this custom publishing thing now where you've got guys like Pete Stout at Triple Zero, which is very Porsche, you know, oriented. I, I've known Pete for years. I know when he was at Excellence Magazine. And his model is a smart model. It's, you know, it's a high, high cost subscription. 
and you get a coffee table book that's two inches thick and it's beautiful and it looks like an art piece. And I think he's making as much of a living on the subscription as he is on the advertising, which is not necessarily how the old model worked, but that worked. And there's, there's some of that happening. I think Road Rat out of England, very similar that Guy Berryman is doing from Coldplay. I think same thing, high quality content. Uh, Magneto that David Lillywhite from Octane is doing, same thing. I think he's doing a beautiful job. I think stuff like podcasts like you do are excellent. The digital sites, it's interesting how they've sort of also been sort of taken over by private equity lately. So a lot of the sort of traditional, you know, the drive and autoblog and jalopnik and all those sort of bring a trailer, bring a trailer. Yeah. All that, that first wave of kind of digital first outlets, the ones that were never a magazine that got turned into a website. They were a website from the beginning. Those have all now sold in most cases to private equity and they're still around, but they're changing and their staffs have changed. And, and the challenge that presented is something we talk about internally at the office here is there's this talent pool of freelancers and staffers and people who write about cars for a living. That pool has shrunk dramatically, you know, worldwide. And I'm not talking about necessarily some guy who has his own personal thing that he posts on that nobody looks at, but like people who like to make a living writing about some sort of car related content, whether it's new minivan reviews or hardcore drag racing tech and sort of everything in between. There's only maybe like 150 to 200 of them on the planet right now. And so how do you maintain relationships with those people and stay connected with them and keep the clients happy by continuing to get stories about them, which generate leads, which help sort of drive sales so that they can keep paying us and they can stay in business and pay their employees. How do you do that with this sort of shrinking, shrinking, shrinking pool? And, and, and we've had to get pretty creative with that. So, for a long time, we were doing a ton of video creation, which is what kind of inspired the whole creative department. Uh, we built our own social network of, of automotive pages, everything for like lowriders, muscle cars, uh, sports cars, imports, even slam trucks. Like we have all these like social channels that the consumer who follows that page on Instagram, or like we've got two Jeep pages, they may not even know that we have anything to do with the page. They just like looking at pictures of Jeeps. So we've, we've had, it's not one thing. It's, it's a whole... You know, Matt Farah used this uh, analogy like five years ago, and I really, I like stole it because I liked it so much. He, he predicted, he said, you know, the future of this whole thing is not a single garden hose. It's like 20, I'm sorry, not a single fire hose. It's 20 garden hoses in one bucket, and all of them are set on sort of trickle. And that's how the bucket will get filled. And, and that's, we have completely embraced that. And, and that keeps changing. I mean, even like post-pandemic, I can't send my video team out and we've got a minivan that says car to car on the license plate and we bought it specifically to do automotive <laughs> video and that sad thing has been parked for six months because there's nothing yep. to shoot there's nowhere to go the events are all canceled yep. and so what we've had to do is we're doing something right now called buzz videos where we'll have for example like ring brothers is a, is a client and we'll get a photo set of some new ring brothers bill well, we can't send our crew to Wisconsin to shoot a video, but what we can do is take that photo set and do kind of a Ken Burns pan and scan effect, add music, add some graphic overlays, add some text. One of our video guys is a super you know, ingenious guy, and he taught himself how to do digital animation, so it'll have some animation in it. And we can essentially just take a bunch of photos and turn it into a pretty engaging little two-minute video, put that on social, and it gets the same amount of engagement as something we would have gone out with a crew and shot. Right. I wouldn't have done that if the pandemic didn't happen. So right. it sort of forced us to kind of innovate. And, and that's sort of 
been sort of the constant thread through all this stuff. Now, that's the master thing about what has happened is people have learned how to pivot and just do something different. You mentioned magazines. I used to get 40 magazine subscriptions. I think I'm down to five. Yep. Magneto's one sitting here, Pete's Magazine, Sports Car Market. It's probably the only magazine I still get that's kind of like a real magazine. And I think it's Porsche Panorama and Roundel because I'm a Porsche BMW guy. I'm a member of the club, so I get that those publications. And that's kind of it because everything else that I used to get, by the time I got it, I noticed I'm not reading it anymore because I've already seen it all on social. And I, and now there's all these creative things people like you and your team are doing that are more interesting. And I'll tell you, even my next door neighbor, I'm a, I'm a, what I call a little bit of an older guy, more mature guy, been around kind of as my daughter calls me a boomer. I, I think she's saying it in kindness and love. And uh, my next door neighbor is a little bit older than me. And he said something to me last month. It's kind of interesting. He's been retired a while. He was a pilot. And he said, you know, I don't really spend time on TV anymore. I'm on YouTube. Because yep. now we can seek out those things that he wants to see when he wants to see them. They're fun, enjoyable. Uh, when I get on the treadmill every day, that's how I spend my time is I just connect YouTube to my TV and I can flip around and find interesting YouTube channels, sometimes even on cooking, <laughs> you know, while you're trying to lose lose calories, you're trying to figure out how to add calories because it's just more interesting and fun and it's on your own time. So, well, congratulations to you and what you guys have done. The innovativeness that this pandemic has brought to the, the human condition around the world has been pretty fantastic. You mentioned Magneto. I uh, actually had David on the show not too long ago. His cohort, Jeff uh, Love, is going to be on the show. Actually, I'm recording a show with him this week that I'm recording with you. So we'll get him on the show as well. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to dive into your personal passion for cars a little bit here because I know you're a car guy. So sit tight, keep the seatbelt on. We'll be right back. When it was time to renew my last policy for my collector car, my carrier's rates went up. They went way up. But my usage was the same and I never had made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? I was too. So I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, am I glad I did. I'm saving hundreds of dollars. I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provide me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a history of taking care of their clients. What could be better than that? Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car... Maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH 
for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yow for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. Let's take a pit stop from the conversation and talk about my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. One of those nonprofits is very near and dear to my heart because it's right down the road from the Cars Yeah headquarters. It's the LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma, Washington. One of the world's truly great automobile collections and one of those must-see bucket list destinations for car people like you and me. If you haven't seen it, I hope you make a trip soon. And if you have seen it, it's probably time to visit again. To learn more about this fantastic museum, go to www.americascarmuseum.org. And while you're there, you can donate to help them keep their engines running. That's www.americascarmuseum.org. Okay, Dan, we're back. I'd love for you to share a story with us that instigated your personal passion for cars, that pivotal moment in your life when you knew, oh my, I'm a car guy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know that I had much of a choice. I'm, I'm third gen, so my, uh, my grandfather was a car guy, but he was a Great Depression era kid. So for him, he, he liked LaSalle's and like kind of the pre-war stuff, and when he passed away, he had a beautifully restored 37 Ford. But for him, it was like stock. Everything had to be stock. He thought hot rodding was a waste of time and money. He thought it was stupid. He didn't get it. And my dad, you know, literally grew up early 60s cruising Van Nuys Boulevard and was like the prototypical hot rodder. So they were both car guys, but came at it from different perspectives. And like I said, I kind of grew up reading hot rod and all that. And for some reason, I became obsessed with 67, 68 Mustang fastbacks as a kid. And it's funny because I was literally talking about this with my kids this weekend. And when I was about 12, two streets over, a neighbor had a 67 Fastback GTA just rotting in the driveway. And I don't think it moved for decades. And the tires were flat and it had spider webs going from the rocker panels of the driveway. And I became obsessed with it. And every time we drive by it, I'd look at it and I always said, I'm going to buy that car, I'm going to buy that car. And kind of similar to the conversation we've already been having. So you get these little fortuitous moments out of crises, um, the 94 Northridge earthquake wiped out my high school. And so I was out of school for like two months. And my dad is HVAC contractor. And that, that earthquake was very, it was a boon for him because every, yeah. you know, duct work in the city got shaken Shook up. And loose. Yeah. yeah. And so my dad said, Hey, look, you know, and I was a kid, I was, I think I was like, you know, 14, but he said, look, you know, as long as school's out, if you want to come work for me, you can work as much as you want. And he was paying me like below minimum wage or whatever. I don't remember what I made. But I, I started off just sweeping and putting stuff back on shelves. And a guy named Tom McIntyre, who is a, a pretty well-known guy in Shelby and Cobra circles uh, and owns a company called ASCO, which makes all the badges on new cars, uh, had a side gig making earthquake gas shutoff valves. And 
they had been trying to sell them before the Northridge quake, and my dad literally couldn't give them away. He would like make it like a spiff, like buy a new air conditioning system and we'll give you an earthquake shut off valve. Nobody wanted them. After the earthquake, they couldn't sell them fast enough. So he put me on the phone and said, start selling these things, and I'll give you a commission on every valve you sell. And I was working like 15 hours a day because for the first time in my life, I wasn't pushing a broom. I had this like idea where the harder I work, the more money I make. This is great. This is a good ratio. So yeah. it, it did a couple of things because that taught me sort of the value of hard work and it taught me how to sell and taught me how to close. But it also gave me enough money that I was finally at 14 able to go buy that car. And, wow. and it was cool because I ended up with this total basket case that didn't run. It was full of Bondo. It needed everything. And then over the course of two years, my dad and I completely took it apart in his garage down to nothing, a tub. Um, I chemically stripped it myself, which was horrible. <laughs> you know, we and we didn't have a lot of money. So it's not like now where you see these pro touring cars that have like Detroit speed suspension. All. A lot of that stuff didn't exist yet. And even if it did, I didn't have the money for it. So like we built our own motor. We built it wrong. I think that I, I had like it was, we had a board 40 over and I put 30 over pistons in it. And so it just rattled itself. I mean, it was like, but when we were all done and everything was sort of, we painted it ourselves in the driveway. By the time it was done, that car was bitching and it was beautiful. And it did something sort of interesting because I figured out I really wanted to have my car in a magazine. To me, that was like the climbing to the top of Mount Everest. And I taught myself how to shoot. I taught myself how to write. And at 16, I got it on the cover of Hot Rod, the cover of Carcraft and the cover of Mustang and Fords in the same year. Whoa. And I don't know that that's ever happened from a non-pro-built car even since. And I didn't understand that at the time. But that not only did that car make me a car guy, it also made me a PR guy. Yeah. A great training. I mean, awesome. Yeah. Brilliant what your dad did, too, to teach you that. I mean, he carried those skill sets and that mindset, most importantly, forward. Was that your first really special car then, obviously? I mean, it, was, it has to be it. It was, yeah. Yeah. Let me get into your head a little bit here, Dan. I'm going to be your psychologist today, okay? So sit back on the couch. I'm going to ask you this question. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, now this isn't what you want to be. This is your attributes manifest into a vehicle. What would Dan Kahn be? And more importantly, why? You know, I would probably be like a square body K5 Blazer. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of sporty. You know, I like to go on adventures, but I'm still pretty practical and, you know, can kind of go anywhere and do anything, but, but not a lot of frills. Yeah. You know, those cars hold a special place in my heart. When I grew up, I grew up down in the San Diego area and the neighbor up the street was a manager at a city Chevrolet and they got the new Blazers in back in the seventies. I had just gotten my license and my buddy's mom decided to take a bunch of kids and her girlfriend on a trip down to the tip of Baja. Wow. And so he gave her two brand new Blazers. Now, it would have been a great video these days if we'd had such a thing back then. And we took off and went down Baja. We camped on the beach every night. And they took me because I could be a driver as well. I was the only kid old enough with a driver's license. The rest were all young teenagers. And it was a great, great trip. We had a good time. We took the ferry over to La Paz, I think it was, and then yeah. back up to mainland. It was a whole, gone for a whole month and a half. And, you know, it was awesome. We had a super time. So I spent a lot of time driving those first K5 Blazers. And I've always been a sports car guy, but for a while I thought maybe that's what I might like to have. But I always reverted back to sports cars and ended up with a Carmen Ghia. So uh, my poor man's Porsche. But I get it. Square body K5 Blazer. 
Perfect. That makes sense. Well, we're going to dive into what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off some quick questions. You're going to give me some quick answers, some quick blips of that K5 placer throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? I would say work ethic combined with very minimal need for sleep. <laughs> nice. You're one of those lucky guys. Yeah, yeah I, I wish. I, I need at least seven hours, but I've known people, I think even the, the president, President Trump, I think he gets away with like three hours or four hours of sleep. And you think about those added hours to your life. I'm very jealous. I wish I could do that. So. Yeah, I'm up and moving every day at 4.30 and, and I've got a, an East Coast employee who's constantly weirded out that I'm working before he is. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, again, I'm jealous. I wish I, I've tried, but I my body isn't wired that way. Now, how about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? Uh, you know, I'd love to throw a name out there like, you know, Senna or a great race car driver. But honestly, I would he's alive. I would love to meet with Alan Mulally. I, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of him. I was a fan of him when he was did the turnaround of Boeing. I, I, I'm a Ford guy. I, I, I own a lot of Fords and I like Fords and I love what he did when he kind of helped turn that company around. There's a great book called American Icon that's about his sort of management style. So I would love to just pick his brain. Yeah, he's he's an amazing person. I mean, just, just incredible. And everyone I've ever talked to who worked with him, around him, under him, uh, have nothing but nice things to say about that guy. So yeah, a genius for sure. How about the best automotive advice someone else has ever offered you? What was it? Best automotive advice. Yeah so, yeah. so Bruce Meyer has an expression that I did not used to understand, but as I'm getting older, I completely understand, uh, which is make it hurt once. <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, if you're going to do something, do it the right way the first time, and then it'll just be right. And God, I've learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Bruce has been a guest in the show, and I've known him like you have for a long time. I mean, he's kind of a, the quintessential car guy, if you will. Yes. And, a, a, of course, associated greatly with the Peterson Museum and the founding of that uh, whole thing. But he's got another one, Keep the Revs Up, you hear yep. him say all the time, which is true. But I love that concept. And for those listeners out there that may not get that, in relation to cars, go find the best you can afford. Stretch a little bit. You'll never be unhappy that you did that versus squeaking in under <laughs> unless you're a young kid like Dan Dan was or me with my Gia and we restored our own cars and made them right you'll always be better off financially too and time wise yep. uh yeah so just make it hurt once definitely that's the way to do it uh, is there a great resource out there and I know there's lots of them but maybe one that's a go to for you on a regular basis I would say for business, especially marketing content I would encourage people to check out our site conmedia.com/news uh, we're publishing one or two times a week. We've got the better part of 100 how-to articles on the site right now. And it's not just automotive. I mean, it's a lot of this is general business practice and, and marketing and sales information, digital marketing. Uh, it's a huge archive of content. So I would, I would encourage people to check that out. And then beyond that, I, you know, I would say subscribe to our newsletter. We curate a newsletter once a week. Actually, I'm sorry. Now it's every other week. Um, we're also <laughs> gathering sort of the best small, medium-sized business news. I mean, even like when the whole PPP thing was happening, we were getting feedback from a lot of people in the industry that they were getting more PPP information from us than they were getting from their own bank, just because yep. everything is so kind of fragmented right now. We work really hard to make sure that that's uh, current and up to date. 
Yeah, it's, I'll tell you, listeners, it's been great. I've really enjoyed what you've been doing and during that whole PPP thing. Didn't really apply to me, but I watched those because I had people asking me, do you know anything about this? And you're right. The banks, I think, were somewhat clueless and left flat-footed in many ways. Um, and whether they really were there to help you or not, I, I sometimes question. But uh, wow. yeah, you guys are putting out some great content. Really appreciate that. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, a book. I always ask each of my guests for a great book to reference. Is there one you'd like to toss out there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually, um, AJ Bame is a friend and I'm sure you know AJ and he wrote Go Like Hell, the Ford vs. Ferrari movie yep. was based on that book and uh, Arsenal of Democracy is a book he did about the Ford family during World War II. He has a new book out called Dewey Defeats Truman that I just finished last night and it's, it's about, he, he actually has written two books about Harry Truman, and the first one was about kind of the transition from Roosevelt to Truman at the end of World War II. The second book that came out about a month ago is specifically about the election in 48 when, when Truman kind of re-ran and how they build it at the time as the election that was the battle for America's soul. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it does. And, and that's not to get into politics because I'm sort of apolitical, but just sort of reading this historical perspective of something that happened 70 years ago nothing is new. You know? I know. Everything like, old is new again. Everything old is new again. And so I, I found that very interesting and I enjoyed it. Yeah, AJ's been a guest twice here on the show. Great books. I think his book is actually probably the most recommended book here on Cars. Yeah. A reminder, my listeners, you can find links to these books on Dan's show notes page. Just go to carsyow.com, type in Dan Kahn, K-A-H-N, and you'll find that. There's another great place on the website called Guest recommended books where I've got over 1,700 books that have been recommended by my inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And I made it really easy for you to purchase them with a one click to buy. So check it out if you want to fill a library full of all sorts of great things. All right, Dan, we're almost there. We're up to the checkered flag. Today, I'm going to buy you a car. Something very fun. This is going to be a collector car, not a daily driver, something for the weekends there. You're down in SoCal, so you can head up to Mulholland or out to the coast, Coast Highway, uh, driven all those roads. Lots of fun. But there are some rules to this game, my friend, because I'm writing this check, and I have a feeling this could be a big check. We'll see. Okay. Uh, you, can't, you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. I want you to drive it, so it needs to tick a lot of boxes. But here's the kicker. It's the only one cool collector car you can have. I know you have a lot of cool cars. But you can only have one today, and it's the one that I'm going to buy you. Now, if you want to just keep a car you have, cool, you'll be a cheap date. I always appreciate cheap dates. <laughs> but uh, what can I buy Dan Con today? What's it going to be? Well, I, I would normally say a 275 GTB4. That's long been my dream car. My dad yeah. had one before I was born and Ooh. sold it when I was born. So that was a <laughs> strategic error on his part. But um, yeah. But I, I've learned from, from some of my current cars that cars without a backseat are no fun when you've got three kids. Yep. So honestly, it's not that sexy and it's not a sports car, but I've always wanted a 57 Ford two-door ranch wagon. Oh. I think they're cool. I, I like the Fords. They're not as popular as the Chevys. I think they're cool looking. And you can put the kids and the dog in and you can still go to Cars and Coffee and have a good time. Yeah, you know, old wagons, especially from that era, are cool. We used to have a Concours up here called the Kirkland Concours. Yep. And one year they had a whole bunch of those wonderful 50s wagons, and some I'd never seen before. Because those those things were utilitarian. They just kind of got used up and thrown away. Uh, so the fact that people restored them and kept them around, the beautiful wood, the hardware. Ah, uh, yeah. And I love the way you answered that, too. 
something the whole family can go in. I've heard that from many guests, and uh, it adds to the importance of your character, Dan. So uh, I'll get to work, see if I can find you one of those. Is there a color preference you'd like? No, you know, I like a lot of the 50s fleet colors. You know, I think they're kind of funky and weird. So, you know, the the kind of those off greens and, you know, you know, Wimbledon whites. And I, I kind of like that rather than bright red or something like that. Yeah, there's also some cool like salmons and yep. peaches and soft butter colored yellows. I mean, there's some really, really cool cars. So I'll uh, have some fun looking for one of those for you. Dan, you've taken me on a fun ride. I knew this would be great. I want to thank you for joining me today and for sharing your amazing journey as it continues. Before I let you go, though, could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the coast highway with the family in the back saying, are we there yet, Dad, in that 57 Ford ranch wagon? Yeah, I would say in business and life, burn no bridges. You know, treat everybody like family and and you'll have a long, prosperous journey. Especially in the automotive world, because this is a small world. I just keep running into people who know people, know people, and it's just everybody is friends. So, yeah, treat everybody with respect. Even those who maybe don't treat you so nice, just smile and nod your head. That's all you can do sometimes. What's the best way for people to keep up with you and your amazing company at Con Media? Well, thank you, Mark. Um, you can check us out at kahnmedia.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We've got pages on all of those, Twitter, and uh, subscribe to our newsletter. There you go. And if you need some help in the PR world, the media world, whatever it might be, this is a company you want to reach out to. I know because I work with a lot of his teammates and they're awesome people and they will bend over backwards, work night and day for you. I guarantee that. Dan, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your incredibly fun life with the Car Shout listeners. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!